0: Welcome to the very first episode of Shack Shack, the podcast. In Barbados, the Shack Shack tree is called Woman's Tongue, a seemingly unkind name given to a tree that makes a lot of noise. This podcast is therefore dedicated to the uncontrollable voices of ordinary women sharing their thoughts, ideas, and dreams. Telling stories is ultimately how we pass knowledge, history, and experiences from one generation to the next. So my first guest under the Shack Shack tree is Carrie ann McCalling. a in spot for my business partner and the sounding board for many a hair-brained idea. Today, we're going to talk a bit about her role as an HR professional. We spend so much of our time at work, and truthfully, it factors heavily into our sense of self and often bleeds into our personal lives, whether we want it to or not. Carrie has been in this industry for over 12 years as a HR generalist, working in several industries, both unionized and non-unionized. Some of these industries include telecoms, tourism, financial services, and aviation. So welcome, Carrie and thank you for being here. I am happy to give you a chance to be on the other side of an interview for a change.
1: Definitely. Thank you for having me.
0: So, to begin, what does being an HR professional mean? Um, For me, what comes to mind is the obvious hiring and firing and reading and reviewing the many iterations of my CV. But really, what is it that an HR professional does?
1: Uh, It's funny you should mention hiring and firing. Um, Contrary to popular belief, that's probably one of the very... um, few tasks that um, are mythical when it comes to the HR profession. Um, I find that most people think that usually that is the essence of being a human resources professional where you just sit down have interviews, hire and fire, but contrary to popular belief, in larger organizations, we facilitate a recruitment process. In the smaller organizations, you may find us doing some of the hiring where there may be only one or two departments. And the numbers are are quite small. But when you get to larger, medium to large entities, we see the HR professionals being more of a facilitator for the recruitment process. So we get everything set up, but the hiring manager or the heads of departments make the ultimate decision. Um, We can advise on the best candidate, but the ultimate decision lies with that head of department or the hiring manager. So that's the myth. But being an HR professional for me, personally, it gives me... um, the I guess the outlet to be able to help people so I think that for for myself it can't be for other HR professionals but for me I think my profession um as my foundation helps me to be able to do that
0: okay so though I'm uh, sure that the next question is a bit overanalyzed by professionals and novices everywhere in light of the context of COVID-19 I'm still gonna ask uh, how do you see workplaces changing in the coming years and what role do you think HR has to play in that?
1: Um, well, to kind of pick back off of the first question as well, now that COVID-19 is here, um, HR professionals, you know, we tend to have a, wide, um, a wider reach now and the umbrella in which many um, different responsibilities um, are covered under, Now with COVID-19, we kind of are tasked with guiding employers and how to to deal with the situation when it comes to having to shut down companies where there's no business and following the government's um, protocols where companies have to operate under reduced hours and where there's a curfew. I find that HR professionals now are being called upon to, to help govern the process, to be able to guide them as to what our labor legislation requires and to make sure that, you know, everything is being done as fair as possible um, from the business side and for the, the employee side as well. You know, as it, answering the first question, when I said, you know, it's not just about recruitment selection HR professionals, we, we, we cover a wide range of, of different tasks, whether it be training, learning and development, um, other aspects of grievance and disciplinaries and labor administration, industrial relations, you name it, we're there. Even HSSE and business continuity, some of us take on those roles as well. So when it comes to COVID-19, I find that we're being called upon to dig deeper as HR professionals into opening up um, our, there's a word for, I'm looking for, into <laughs> turning a new leaf <laughs> in our books when it comes to understanding um, how we can kind of merge or marry HSSE business, business continuity and human resources as it relates to you know, the states that we're in with COVID-19. So
0: um, I guess coming back, nope, a little bit, question. <laughs> well, coming back a bit to that, in terms of how you see the workplaces changing, I suppose that was more focused on HR, but do you see um, maybe, especially in the context of the current environment, but even outside of that, if you see that um, there are what changes do you think we will see in workplaces in the coming years?
1: Uh, I think technology would probably be utilized more. Because what's happening now is that we found um, some organizations were unable to allow their employees to work from home because they didn't have the infrastructure built for them to do so. So something as simple as having a laptop or a software program installed, you know, having VPN, so persons could be able to function outside or away from the office. Not necessarily work at home, but just away from the office itself. Um, I know we're being called upon to... to have those roles that can work from home do so to keep as many persons employed as possible we find that those persons who we believe should be able to work from home aren't able to because of the lack of infrastructure so i find changes now would relate to technology ensuring that from a business continuity perspective employers are more um, readily prepared to handle these types of crises and and also not just for employees but for their clients and customers as well how do we ensure that we're able to sustain the business. So I think technology will play a big role in in the changing um, workforce right now.
0: Okay. So coming closer to home, and uh, based on your experience across several industries, how do you think HR needs to change or develop more in Barbados and maybe the region um, as a whole?
1: Um, how it would need to change. It's a good question. Um, there are many active changes happening now in HR. So I guess what I would like to see or what I feel the need for changes is just to embrace HR professionals more as business partners and, you know, persons who are able to sit at the table with directors and executives and be able to uh, be a part of that initial decision making process and not be in towards the middle or the end um, of those types of meetings you know, the way the workforce could be negatively impacted on based on a decision. I find that in, in locally in Barbados we still have HR professionals um, you know, not being seen as those types of persons who could contribute greatly when it comes to the the um wanna say more important decisions. Um, relating to the business, um, whether it be about finances or strategy, I find that, you know, persons don't see HR professionals as having the knowledge or the capacity to be able to um, help contribute to those types of decisions in meetings like that. And I find regionally it's getting better. Internationally, I think it's already done. Uh, HR professionals are seen as business partners. If we look at the um, offshore international workforce, we are pulled in from the very beginning. Um, with legal and all the other team members um, when it comes to those bigger decisions. But I find we need to improve upon that locally. And I think regionally we're getting there, you know, we're already seeing strides there as well.
0: Okay. So um, I guess leading on from that, if there was, if you had the freedom to implement one change in the, I guess in the local workplace or within the local HR environment, if you had that kind of freedom and that kind of power, what would, what would you change? What would that change be?
1: Oh, oh that's a big question.
0: I know, I, I apologize, um, it was a big question. <laughs> go
1: big or go home. Exactly. I agree, I agree. Uh, I, I think I would like to see something um, bigger happen as it comes to merging um, value systems um, merging diversity and inclusion if you could have a single platform that merges everything together not just for women but I think for those other marginalized um, demographic when it comes to uh, when you sit, when you work in certain companies and you see all the heads being a particular figure type with numerous letters behind your name not saying that education is not important but there's still a voice for those who haven't necessarily you know been past tertiary education level you know there is a voice for those who haven't gone and, and received a doctorate there is a voice for those who you know are just creative naturally and have these wonderful ideas that just need a sounding board and feel as if you can merge diversity inclusion value systems we can merge them together into one platform or have one voice or one section or you know department for persons to be able to um Create you know like have an innovative type of platform where ideas are birthed from, and you can see them from from beginning to end, you know through fruition implementation, and working. I feel as though if I could just have one little tiny space or a Zen room or a department for that to happen in um, each organization, I would love to implement that. I think my former boss called it a Zen space, <laughs> you know where you can relax, but where ideas and innovation could be birthed from, I think that is something I would love to implement if I just had the freedom
0: to do so i think that is an excellent idea and perhaps in the near future you will get the opportunity or at least i very much hope so so on a more (laughs) it's true on a more personal level i mean what are the parts of hr that you are most passionate about what gets you up in the morning
1: so i think um most passionate for me would be I wouldn't necessarily say recruitment and selection because that process in itself is definitely not a huge passion of mine but I think what keeps me going is when I see um, the expression on the person's face when you tell them you're successful for a particular role you know whether it be face-to-face interviewing or um video conferencing conversations even telephone you can hear in their voice when they they realize you know I've I've gotten the job you know this is one step closer to my ultimate goal or maybe this is my ultimate goal you know it never gets old to see the sparkle and the light in their eyes it never gets old to hear the excitement in their voices and I think the biggest thing is that when they actually get to the organization when they when they come in when they get there that the onboarding process and the orientation is so exciting that it doesn't kill that spirit when they when they realize they've reached their goal you know so i think the, the biggest thing for me my passion is and uh, what keeps me going to hr is being able to see that light all the time being able to the you know have hr professionals ignite that that fire that that you know that we will see that light when someone receives that news saying you are successful for this particular role you have been successful um not just for the role but as part of your dream you've been successful in that next step that next level So that never gets old for me. And I think that's kind of what drives me uh, to continue in the profession.
0: Okay. So I would assume that the part that you dislike the most would be perhaps dismissing unsuitable employees, but I don't want to be presumptuous. So I will, you know, I'll take a listen as to what is the, you know, (laughs) the part you don't like about, you know, HR being an HR professional.
1: well yes those conversations are difficult um extremely difficult not something you would want to ever have to do um but i think it it becomes most difficult when um it's a conversation where you know nothing is the individual's fault um, those redundancy conversations or those um, layoff conversations, you know, or the conversations where you have to tell a group of persons, well, you know, the department is no longer needed or the business is not functioning. And, you know, where our CEOs are part of that conversation as well, we find that persons, rely like heavily an HR professional to write a script, you know, make sure it's following labor legislation. But those conversations, look on those persons' faces, you know, everything is like, what? And it's usually, Something very sudden it's not always something that can be foreseen um if a client pulls out suddenly there's not always something that can be you know forecasted or determined that you can prepare persons for it um so I think those are the toughest conversations because you know it's not the person's fault you know it's not like if the person breached um you know a policy or decided to get violent at work and does something strange or you know decided to steal money or anything like that, you know where you kind of want to rehabilitate that person um, during the conversation as well. But I think it gets more difficult when, you know, this person has done nothing wrong but give up their best, give 100% everything they came to work, you know, and this is what happens to them. So I think that those are the toughest type of conversations and, you know, something that you wouldn't want to ever have to do.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Uh, so you've been in this business for quite some time now um, how would you say your views or your outlook um, has changed over the years you know you've gone from a bright-eyed bushy-tailed you know university grad into the world of work and now you know you're a more seasoned professional mother or wife so I guess you know how would you say your views have changed over the years if they have changed
1: Uh, yeah, they have changed for sure. Um, it's become heavier than you imagined when you first started out. Uh, you know, my first degree psychology, the basis was I wanted to help people and this was a way to do it. And in, in doing that, you realize that you started to take on the problems of the world, you know, I'm throwing the finger quotations in here. <laughs> um, you, you started to <laughs> feel as though you're taking on everybody's problem and you need to fix it. So I think one of the things that has changed is that in realizing you can't fix everything. So you've, you've kind of grown a mood from, I need to fix it. I have to fix it. There must be a way to fix it. Sleep last nights trying to fix it. Um, you know, pressure, Trying to fix it to realize, okay, so you can't ultimately, ultimately be the fix. You know, you can't be the person to fix it. What you need to try to do is to enable that person, um, you know, equip them with the tools that they can fix it for themselves. So instead of you trying to fix it, you make sure that they, the person has the knowledge, they have the tools, they have the guidance, the training, the mentorship. Um, you know, you you, you be a, a leader, a mentor. I want to say, uh, is it where I'm looking for? A coach. more like a coach for them to be able to fix their problem. That way something else comes up. You know, it's easier to handle because they come to you, but they come to you with a solution as well. And I find balancing, taking on, you know, all those problems and coming home. My husband had this analogy about, you know, when we step to the door, you got to take off the jacket. So it's an imaginary jacket we take off and hang up um, at the door and we come in because it ha- there has to be a an outlet. There has to be a way to not think or focus about focus on the pressures of the day and the problems you're trying to fix because then it could affect your family, you know. So we take off the jackets and we put them at the door and it's family time. And, you know, sometimes when you get a couple of Z's in and the family's sleeping, sometimes you get up. Because your brain's a little more relaxed, but it's still working on the issue. You get it with a brilliant idea on how to help that person or how to enable them to help themselves. So, you know, I think what has changed for me is, yes, I'm going in as, you know, trying to save everybody and fix everybody's problems. So let me try to help them fix their problems. Then, you know, help to enable them to, if you understand what I'm saying, give them the tools to to work to be able to fix their their problems and not enable you know negative behaviors where you are the person that has to fix it for them all the time
0: well I think that was insightful and that leads me maybe to another question I mean you talk about you know giving people the tools to do the things that they need to do the tools to grow and that kind of thing so I guess my question is do you think that in the workplace that employees sufficiently utilize HR as a you know as a space where they can learn these tools or you know HR can can help them or do you feel people are still a little bit apprehensive of you know seeing HR as that kind of coach mentor supporter and you know i more like the big bad guy so I guess my question is do you you know <laughs> do, do do are people coming to to uh, access these tools that you have to share with them?
1: I think it could be twofold, you know. Um, so some people are coming, but in some circumstances, I think that HR professionals could also, with any the organizations themselves, not the greater bodies, because I find her herma does an excellent job, but. In, in smaller, you know, in smaller bodies, more on the individual level, I think HR um, professionals could also I don't want to say advertise, but put themselves out there a little more, you know. So you ask your employees who come because they, they're aware and they know what about those that don't? We can't necessarily, you know, put blame on those who, who who don't necessarily know they have a resource, a free resource for them to use to assist them, you know, with any type of ideas they may have or assist them to f- in their development um, whether it be professional or or personal so I find that we could put ourselves out there a little more we could um, explain to people what we do a lot of youngsters still come in um, and I say youngsters I'm young myself (laughs) of course course. organizations not being of course not being fully aware of what um, you know HR does we still kind of have those notions um, from our forefathers about HR and To kind of get away from that, I find we need to put ourselves out there more. We need to advertise. You know, every once in a while, send out out some, you know, snippets or some little um, tips as to this is what your HR team does. You know, this is what we're here for. This is how we can help. Um, So that person, you know, have that level of awareness. So they know, hey, I think I saw something the other day that said that this person could help me, you know, plan my life cycle as it comes to my career, you know show me the next step or where I need to study and tell me how to get financial aid at work for training and you know for my studies etc um they can let me know if I have study leave you know different things and I find that not everyone's aware that that's what we're here for so it's twofold you know they some come but some don't come not because they're some are afraid but not because they 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 um they're aware and don't want to come but some of them just don't know and then I find from our side we we could do a lot more to to let persons know we are here and what we're here for
0: okay so lastly a more whimsical question or morbid depending on how you want to look at it but how do you want to be remembered how would you like to be remembered many years from now
1: that's a really big question yeah um. it is and <laughs> I, I, I sometimes ask
0: myself that you know in my quiet moments so I figured it's something I would ask you to see if you've given any thought to it.
1: Yeah, I would say um, if I had to add a vain response, I would say my smile. So, usually <laughs> that's what happens. People are usually remember me for my smile. They'd be like, I saw you somewhere. Your face looks familiar. Oh, it's a smile. Yes, I know who you are now. But um, that's just a, a true, natural true thing. Story. It true from. story. True story. this is school. <laughs> Yep. So it stays with me. I I don't mind. I don't mind. It's there. Um, but I would say on a on a more serious note, I think being what I would like to be remembered for most. I I think just the impact you you kinda have on lives, and it dawned on me when I was um leaving my former employer, which is sad, sad, sad. Um, you know, happy, yes, but sad. <laughs> Um, it's a great team. But I I, I realized that um you know, you, you just never know the impact you have on a persons lives. The number of persons that came to my office and you know, shared different things I would have said to them, different things I would have done that had some significant impact that they remembered that I didn't even remember, um, had some in, impact on their lives and you just never know who you touch. And you know, in saying that, it kind of humbles you because it it keeps you in check with your behavior. So you know, when you're just simply walking around doing your thing, your behavior it kind of enables you to say, "Well, um, I need to be a little more cognizant of what I say and what I do because you never know who's watching. You never know who 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 I'm impacting, and you want to obviously have a positive you know um, impact on person's life. So then, you know, I like got all these gift baskets and departments and. You know, person's coming and this one young lady hugged me like she didn't want to let me leave or go. She was like, no, this is not true. You know, and you're just, you're just so happy that you're able to mentor persons that have that impact. So I think already I'm doing what I really think I should be doing. I am humbled by it and I want to continue to make sure I have that impact on persons.
0: Okay, great. So thank you, Carrie ann for taking the time out to do this interview, to have this conversation. Uh, thanks to all those who joined us today. For we hope- me. Yes. So thanks to, to those who joined us today. And we hope they enjoyed the session. And we look forward to receiving your comments and suggestions for topics and guests. Thank you so much.
1: Fantastic. Thank you.